Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to episode five of To the Hilt, a stage combat podcast. I am your host, Brian Guidry Latronic. Thank you for joining me this week and happy uh, Thanksgiving to all of you who are celebrating. I hope you're all being safe and I hope you are all uh, enjoying the holiday as best you can under the um, very manic circumstances. Um, as always, if there's any uh, topics you would like to hear discussed, uh, or individuals you would like interviewed, uh, please send us an email at tothehiltpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or if you're interested in any sponsorship opportunities, we're always uh, looking to, to speak about that. Uh, you can also send us an email to thehiltpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that brings us to our guest this week. I'm very excited. It's my first international guest. Um, so uh, she is a master teacher with the British Academy of Dramatic Combat. She's also a member of the stage combat group RC Annie in uh, the UK. Um, it is my great, great pleasure to welcome with us this week, Claire Llewellyn. So Claire, thank you so much for being with me this week. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yeah, we have. Yeah, I, my apologies to my listeners. There's a little tiny bit of a delay with uh, with uh, the internet and things like that. So um, we'll do our best. Um, so um, I I first met Claire uh, about two years ago when I was in uh, London doing some interviews for my book, and uh, she and I had had a great chat. We probably chatted about an hour and a half. And uh, due mostly, unfortunately, to editorial reasons, a lot of her contributions were not used in the book. I felt very bad about that. Uh, so I figured what better way to kind of remedy that than to have her on my podcast so you can hear all of the stories and, and words from her directly. How, what better? Um, so uh, it's, it's my, little, uh, my little shot at making sure, again, everyone's stories are heard. So uh, to start with, Claire, can you, can you talk a little bit about uh, your particular stage combat journey, uh, how you started, why you started, and kind of how you got to be where you are now. Sure. So I, like most people, encountered uh, stage combat when I went to drama school. Um, I went to Mountview in 2000, and it was just one of the classes that we had, and I fell in love with it. Um, almost instantly, in fact. Um, it wasn't a certification that we could take during our timetable, but it was something that we could elect to do kind of outside normal class hours. Uh, so I did, um, and, I, and I didn't stop um, <laughs> until I failed my advanced uh, stage combat test in 2003. Uh, for a multitude of reasons, but actually it just made me want to do it more. Mm -hmm. So I, retrained again, retook my certification again, and was sitting with one of the apprentices um, at, on the course I was doing. And she was like, oh yeah, it's the best job in the world. You get to go to work in your tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's true. Also swords. Um, and so I, you know, I went what, down the path what? of, uh, right? <laughs> uh, going back to my old stage combat teach um, having already encountered uh, Ruth and Rachel of Arciani, um, and they kind of went, just go and ask Ian to be your master. So I rang him up and he went, yeah, I've not had an apprentice for a while, you'll do. So I went back to Mountview to do my apprenticeship, spent lots of hours um, with my master Ian, loads of hours with Ruth and Rachel under um, 
Oceani as it was in its infancy. Um, here I am, sort of 12 plus <laughs> years later. Um, I did do a few acting jobs when I left drama school, but um, it became apparent quite quickly that I was just better at getting smacked in the face. Uh, <laughs> so it was a bit of a you know, bit of a no-brainer, really. Get to play with swords, wear your tracksuit bottoms, get punched in the face. A winning combination. Right, right. The, like the, the, the trinity. Um, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you mentioned uh, um, uh, R.C. Annie. Um, for, for those of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with R.C. Annie, uh, can you talk a little bit more about them? Sure. So uh, it was formed in 2005, uh, happy anniversary, um, <laughs> by Ruth Brown and Rachel Christie Brown Williams, um, hence the letters RC. Mm-hmm. Lots of people ask where the name Annie comes from, um, and very tongue in cheek, I like to reply that it's the name of the female warrior inside of us all. Uh, but actually, it was just a misunderstanding when they were in the pub, uh, and the name was born. Um, we are uh, probably the busiest uh, pre-lockdown um, stage combat company um, in the UK. We're really lucky that we have uh, sort of a fantastic team headed up by Ruth and Rachel um, V, who is the administrator and agent and pretty much the glue that holds it together. Um, and then there's myself and Bethan, who are the associate fight directors and teachers. Bethan also runs our armory. And we've um, very recently collected uh, another apprentice into the fold. So we have Robin, who's apprenticing to Ruth, and Carlotta, who is Rachel's apprentice. So despite lockdown, the Arciani family is growing. And it's <laughs> it's pretty awesome. That That's great. I, I know... Um... Uh, I, I also got to talk with Ruth and Rachel uh, in when I was in London, and um, one of the really cool things I found in talking with Ruth and Rachel and Claire is, even though we we might have trained a little bit differently, maybe we do some different techniques or have a different aesthetic. Um, it was so funny as we were kind of sharing experiences and stories back and forth. There was so much commonality. A lot of the a lot of the same. Uh, issues that we deal with as far as, you know, directors and actors and rehearsals and uh, classroom uh, uh, issues. And, and it really made me kind of open my eyes to how universal what we do really is that, you know, uh, literally an ocean away, but the, 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 the challenges are still the same. That, that was really, really kind of interesting to learn. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I um, whenever I'm working with actors, either within a drama school setting, workshops, or as a fight director in a show, one of the things that they're all really shocked to find out is that stage combat is a very small world, mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's a shared, as you say, it's a shared commonality, um, and we might say things slightly differently, but ultimately what we want to achieve is is always the same mm-hmm. everybody wants the actors to be safe everybody wants it to look good and to be convincing to tell the story and to serve the characters and that's our job be it as teachers giving them the skills in order to do that later down the line or as fight directors doing it sort of on the job no absolutely absolutely um i think we're getting a little bit of a internet issue oh, no, we're good um so um being rc annie being a a, a female-led 
uh, company. Um, do you find, because I know my, my, my guest is uh, the previous week uh, was one of our uh, certified teachers named Angela Bonacasa. And one of the things we were talking about is how, at least in, in this country, uh, the, the stage combat world has kind of been a, a bit of a boys club, uh, specifically a, a cisgendered heterosexual boys club. And, um, you know, it's just now, um, you know, we, we didn't have our first female fight master until 2007, I believe it was 2007 or 2008. And now we have, we have a second one as well. Um, and, you know, we here in this country, I think we're really making strides, but do you find um, any kind of similarities as far as uh, the, the stage combat community in the UK, if they're, if they're just as accepting or if there is a prejudice or uh, what have been your experiences? I think I've been quite lucky because of where I've sort of fallen in the stage combat timeline. Um, there have been women that have gone before me who have paved the way. Um, and I find that there's a lot less surprise, uh, especially as a fight director, when I walk into a rehearsal room and they're like, oh, you're a girl. Like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> um, historically, yes, uh, it was, you know, definitely a bit of an old boys club. But um, I think, you know, that has changed in, in recent years. And it's really exciting to, to see uh, people coming through the ranks who identified other in a in a way that is different to a white man a certain age um and having been sort of studying stage combat now for 20 years having seen that come through again and being almost at the forefront of that is really exciting no absolutely it's it's um it's, I think it's really cool because stage combat, um, and I can talk about this a little bit in my book, stage combat is such a, a new art form relatively in kind of the, the you know, 2,500 odd year history of the theater. You know, what we do is relatively new. Um, you know, only maybe 40 or 50 years, mm -hmm. it's been really done seriously and taken seriously. Um, but what, I mean, but th there are still those, those directors and producers out there that are like, a what now? Fight director? Mm. We need we need one of those. Um, uh, and and I, I and I see you nodding your head. Um, it's obviously the, the you know very similar there that there's still kind of that not a prejudice per se, but a a, a, a feel like a lot of people still don't really know what we do. I would agree. Yes, um, especially when I speak to people who are outside of the theatre. Um, and they ask me what I do and I'm, like, oh, I'm a stage combat teacher and a fight director and the response I get is you're a what now mm -hmm. and then I have to explain but if you were a director in the theatre or a stage manager in the theatre you don't need to or an actor or any part of the creative team you don't need to explain what that is mm -hmm. um, and it's as you say is such a new art form. Um, there's still a little bit that goes on where um, people don't know or they don't realise or they haven't budgeted for it or they've got actors who have got some stage combat experience so they think that often that is enough and in some instances it is. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it, it is um, shocking uh, to realise that you get a phone call and go, oh, um, we're doing the tech tonight. Can you come in and do the fights? Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Let's see. At of course, four, we can at, at always times make it my, safer. At four but times it, my usual yeah. rate, and yeah. <laughs> at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, 
at least you get the call. At yes. least people are um, talking about it. And I say to all of my students, you know, if you're in a show with a director who says, oh, it's fine, it's just a slap, just do it. Ask yourself, has that director got your best interest at heart? Mm -hmm. um, if not, why not? Um, and then call me and get me in and I will do it because your safety as an actor is paramount because if actors aren't safe for whatever reason, then they can't do their job because in the back of their head, they're always thinking about the thing that makes them feel unsafe, whatever right. that might be. Right. No, exactly. And, and I, mean, I tell my students something very similar. It's that, you know, if, if, if you, if you feel unsafe and if, yeah, exactly like you say, if you feel unsafe, if, if, you know, you're, you have a question about it, I said, call me, I'll, I'll, I'll come in and do it. You know, I, I, I won't ask, I won't ask for any money because, and, and I tell them too, really, if you would ask any fight director, any credible fight director to do it and explain the situation, I bet just about anyone would do it because the one thing we, none of us want, none of us want is we don't want to see any actors hurt. That I think is the last yeah. thing that any of us want. And I think not, not to sound, you know, superhero-ish about it, but I, I think the, the, the safety of the actors comes comes so before everything else. Even I'm probably gonna get flagged for this. Even you know getting paid for it, um, because you know at our heart it's hard for us to kind of sit by and go oh god, knowing that an actor is in a precarious situation and I can do something about it, but I, I don't or I won't or I can't. So I, I think you know most of us just just can't sit sit by and watch it happen. No. And if we can't go in and do it for free, then we know someone who can. Yep, a student or an assistant, exactly. Yeah, there's always someone that we can that we can recommend because as you say, safety has to be the first thing because if it's not safe, it's not repeatable, then it isn't stage combat. Yes, exa exactly, exactly. I, one of, one of, uh, one of our fight masters, Kay Jenny Jones always says, um, our job as actors is to create an illusion, not survive reality. I'm stealing that. I'm sure she would be very happy about that. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Our, our job is not, we're, 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 we're storytellers. We're not martial artists. We're not, some of us are, but we're not particularly, you know, we're not trained how to defend ourselves. We're taught how to make it look good and how to be theatrically effective. And, and to ask an actor to do that, I agree, is, is just plain old irresponsible. People often, you know, again, uh, lay people, um, like, oh, you must be really good in a fight. I mean, no, yep. I'd miss. Mm -hmm. I'd make it look awesome. But I wouldn't actually hit you because yep. I'm trained to miss. Like, exactly. Literally, that's what we aim for. No, exactly. I, I say something very, well, something very similar. I, I say, well, if I actually got in a bar fight, I'd say first I'd be the first one out the door. Um, but then after <laughs> that, yeah, I'd be I'd be hiding behind a chair yelling not in the face. Um but um, exactly, just curl up and beetle and yeah, cry. Um, but exactly, I, th I think that, you know that 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 too is a very common, uh, you know, misconception about what we do is that you know oh well you know you're the you're the fight person so you're the badass and you're the uh, uh, you're the uh, you know the 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 tough person, the jock, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, in, in my experience and, and probably in yours as well, 
the opposite is usually true. We're, we, we're, we're the pacifists. We're the peacekeepers. We're the ones that don't want any fighting. Um, and I always like to say it's because we, we understand because we have to study the, the consequences of it. We have to study the ramifications of it. How that, not just you know what a punch is, but how that punch affects the person being punched and the person punching. And I think because fight stage combat people in general have a kind of a, a little bit of a deeper understanding of that, I think we are less likely to, to kind of put ourselves in a situation where that would happen. Wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, again, I've said to, to many people that I've worked with students and, and actors, it's like, this is in no way going to help you in reality. Mm -hmm. So if you are ever in that situation, just, just go, just get mm -hmm. out because this is the opposite of, of <laughs> violence. We're just really good at faking it. <laughs> yes, exactly. We can tell a story. That's about it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> um, I know you are you are very heavily involved uh, with an organization that some of our listeners may may have heard of, some of may not, uh, called the International Order of the Sword and Pen. Um, I know you are yes. very involved with that, and uh, they have a a flagship uh, workshop that's held biannually um, called the yes. the Patty the Patty Crane Workshop, which I'm one year I will get to, I promise. But um, could you, uh, and I know some of our listeners may have even attended, but could you talk a little bit about uh, the sword and pen and, and the Patty Crane and what that, what that kind of all, what that's kind of all about? So uh, the Patty Crane workshop, uh, for those who have attended and for those who haven't, um, will have heard this a lot. Uh, and it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it's, um, it's true. It changed how I teach. Um, the people that I met there um, and I've uh, I first went oh two gosh um, four paddies ago so eight eight years tw uh, 2011 and 12 because it's over new year it was 2012 2013 mm -hmm. um, and my mind was blown from the very first uh class which was uh, with Ian Rose it was nuclear small sword and I loved small sword at the best of times um, but this was just out of this world and every single class that I took after that was out of this world and some of them weren't even classes that I wanted to do because you have to you know you have your sign up and you have your wish list mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I've ever got to every single class that I've ever wanted to sometimes I've just dropped in and I've gone oh this is a bit weird mind blown again um and the people that I met there I still quote in my classroom today um and it's funny that you ask about it because a couple of people have shared on Facebook uh, a, a mini documentary um about what the paddy is and and what the IOSP is and it is a family it's a place for people to go and learn and grow and play and connect and uh just have a wonderful time over New Year. Um, this year is is heartbreaking because we can't go right. because of the global pandemic. Exactly. And we tried uh, to, um, we tried and we tried, but it's it's not safe. And mm -hmm. it's if it's not safe, then it's not stage combat, it, I guess. It, right, exactly. Um, but it is a wonderful experience. Exactly. And yeah, and I, um, I, yeah it's a it really is life changing. Yeah, uh, for, again, I, I've never attended, but I, I know many, many people who have both as as teachers and his students. And it just, 
it's you know you know uh, there's you know I'm I'm sure as in the UK as it is here you know you have little two three day stage combat workshops that you take every now and then or maybe a big you know two three week workshop but the the and and the, and there's a variety of classes and a variety of instructors and and there's an amazing instruction as well but the you know it it's it's hard for me to actually call the the patty a stage combat workshop because there is a lot of stage combat absolutely but the 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 faculty includes uh, stunt performers, fight directors, uh, uh, motion capture artists, historical martial artists, uh, 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 traditional Eastern martial artists. It's 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 such a, a a wide range of people. It seems like you know stage combat is a common thread that kind of links everybody. But at the end of the day, it's it's about so much more than that. It really is, um, and you've uh, just sort of encapsulated everything um, in terms of what the classes are on offer. I mean, I have done everything from, because uh, I've been really lucky to be on both sides. I was uh, there as a participant, I was there as an intern. Um, and then for the last couple, I've been there as, uh, for the last one I was there as staff. Um, so sort of seeing how it all runs from, from the other side and was due to be involved in the organization this time around as well. And it is, it's it's everything. You can go into one classroom and someone is being pinged around the theater on some wires. You go into another classroom and somebody's in literally a full suit of armor um, with 20 different weapons and everybody's getting to put things on and play. And, and then there's acting classes alongside that. And Daniel Ford Beavis always gets set on fire, which is obviously <laughs> joyful to watch. Safely, of course. Not, they don't just, you know, douse them in gasoline and, and go. Um, or maybe they do, I don't know. Um, but um, it's, um, it, it really is. And, and, and you can't beat the scenery either because it takes place in, in Banff, Alberta, correct? Uh, yes, uh, that's historically where it has been. It has traveled around uh, previously. I think it was in Edinburgh um, one year. Mm -hmm. And the plan... Uh, foot is uh, to again make it a little bit more international by holding it uh, in different parts of the world um, but obviously that is all at the moment TBC because sure. we're not quite sure um, when the next one will be but uh, it will be spectacular uh, and yeah it, it, it's, it's of all the stage combat workshops I have lovely to have everybody in family and welcome new members of the fight family in the little world. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, of all the stage combat workshops I have not been to, and there are quite a few I have not been to, the patty has been at the top of my list for, for a long time because of a lot of, a lot of the reasons that you state, the, the, the variety of instruction, the, the variety of topic, the, you know, the fact that it's not just stage combat which I think a lot of smaller stage combat workshops are also slowly moving towards. But I think it's, I mean, truly, and it truly is, as you say, an, an international gathering. There are people from all over the world. And, and it's, it, it's, a, it's an, an amazing kind of clearinghouse of information. Um, and, you know, I've, I, I follow it vicariously through you know, other people's pictures and, and YouTube videos and things like that. And, and every time I see one of those, it's, it is really stunning to see kind of what I was alluding to before, people of different stage combat worlds and organizations and countries 
kind of all you know speaking a common language everybody coming together for a singular purpose um and you know again i think that speaks to what we were talking about before that kind of camaraderie in the stage combat world because you know i also i tell my students you know if, if you think the theater world is small and then you have another concentric circle within that then you know how small the stage combat world is it's very very small and to be able to you know, I mean, when I first started going to stage combat workshops, the, the, to be able to take classes with people I had only heard of, or I'd only read articles by, and to actually, you know, be in the room with them and be able to talk to them and be able to to share information with them is is such a, a, a valuable asset, I think, in in this industry. Yeah, without a doubt, and um, with the paddy as well, there's a there's an openness that um, you don't find anywhere else a lot of um, and I think this is uh, true of of most practitioners when they go back home to their variety of countries um, it isn't an open door you can't mm -hmm. just go in and observe somebody teach um, whereas at the paddy you are welcomed to go and assist other teachers whether you're on the faculty yourself or not um, you know as, as an intern you go and you teach with other people you learn from them as a member of the teaching faculty you go and you're a student in somebody else's room or they'll come up to you and and say oh do you mind if I just sit and watch your class and it's like yes of course and it that's reciprocated you know I've just sat in the corner of many a, a lesson and just absorbed without taking part the mm -hmm. The generosity and the knowledge that's that's on offer is uh, it's a joy to behold, and it's a wonder to be part of. Absolutely, and and I think it's a great honor to the the, the workshops namesake. Uh, for those who may be unfamiliar, uh, uh, Patrick Patty Crane um, was um, I, I call him. I, I have a whole chapter about him in my book, but I, I refer to him as our kind of stage combat Darwinian ancestor. Um, be because he mentored, <laughs> he mentored so many people uh, in 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 uh, in the United States, in Canada, in the UK. Uh, you know, he was a mentor to so many people that then went on to found or or head up stage combat organizations, and then his those learnings trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. So you know, a lot of a lot of the things that we do either directly or indirectly can probably be traced back to him. And in, in, in kind of researching Patty, I, I was talking to a, a very lovely gentleman named uh, Bron McGash, who is a, a Canadian fight director. Um, uh, you might know him, he uh, worked on the TV show Highlander. Um, and and uh, he and I spoke for a little bit because uh, when he was an actor, at the, uh, the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in Canada, he uh, uh, was Patty's uh, assistant student, uh, fight captain. So we talked a little bit about him. And in talking about the Patty Crane workshop, uh, uh, Ron also said that the workshop so exemplifies Patty's spirit, which is the, the information is not ours to hoard. The information is ours to give away. It doesn't do any good if we keep it to ourselves. It doesn't do any good if we, it doesn't do any good if we keep it to ourselves. You know, the information is there, it's free, it's open. And, and I know he said, you know, the, uh, the workshop really kind of speaks to that legacy. Absolutely. Um, and it is, it's, it's a gift. You, 
you walk in and there's a little nugget of information and it and it just stays with you and you know you'll say to that teacher oh, i'm sealing that and they're like, no 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 you can have it it's yours mm-hmm. um and it, yeah it's lovely it it's... makes me all warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> It's, it's, and, and, and that's, that's the reaction I hear from most people who've been there is it's, 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 and with with no cliche, it is life, that it's life-changing that it, it completely, as Claire mentioned, it completely shifts the way you, you look at the art form, the way you look at teaching, the way you look at fight directing, um, uh, which is why it's been on the top of my list for quite some time, but it's, 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 it's a really unique thing uh, in, in, in the stage combat world, because it's, it's you know there's no there's no uh, skills tests to worry about there's no uh, you know renewals or, or anything like that it's it's purely an information sharing time without that pressure of something else to be done yeah absolutely you can just go and uh, just soak up the everything the the social side of it the beautiful scenery wherever it happens to be in the world uh the friendships that you make and you don't see these people you know necessarily even every two years but that connection that connection stays and and the knowledge that you don't even realize uh you're taking on um again just kind of sticks with you it's great i can't talk about it enough (laughs) (laughs) too much um but uh (laughs) Um, so kind of just shifting uh, uh, focus just a little bit to the BADC. Um, for, uh, again, for our listeners who might be uh, unfamiliar, can you just talk a little bit about the BADC and kind of, uh, I, I mentioned it quite prominently in my book, but um, can you just tell our students, um, uh, uh, tell our students, tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, you know, what that organization is and, and, and kind of what, what, the, what their ethos is a little bit about? Of course. Uh, so the British Academy of Dramatic Combat, uh, it's the oldest stage combat uh, organization, academy training uh, group, if you like, um, in the UK. Uh, we train actors um, and we train teachers. And what we do is we try and make sure that the people that we put out into the industry, whether as actors or as teachers, are the best that, that they can be. Um, I've been on the committee now. Uh, I'm on my fourth term so just started my eighth year um, and I'm the workshop coordinator so I organize these sort of one two day sort of weekend workshops um, that offer our swashbuckling members uh, <laughs> to come and just play and, and, and do uh, non-syllabus things um, and again just to network and to meet new people and We've just this September um, changed how uh, we uh, examine and grade our students because mm. what we want to do is offer more training opportunities so that people can learn more and therefore be better um, and more employable within their within their jobs and also just get more experience. I firmly believe that stage combat makes you a better actor. I, I um, that, that's and why I started the more doing training it. opportunities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what the BADC is. We have um, a really hardworking committee. Um, we have lots of lovely uh, swashbuckling members um, and a really lovely teaching membership, um, which again is a little bit international. So that's all quite nice and quite fun too. 
It is. And, and I, you know, one of the things I found, you know, speaking to you and Ruth and Rachel and other BADC members is um, your, your teacher uh, training process is, is very unique. Uh, you know, in, in uh, the SAFD, it's very, um, you know, you, you, you find those teaching opportunities that you can um, if, if, if you are fortunate enough to, a lot, of, um, a lot of our regional workshops are starting to offer that now for, uh, you know, maybe you teach an introductory class in, in, in a weapon style or something like that. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of gain experience that way. And then once you kind of feel you're ready to, um, you apply for the SAFD's uh, teacher certification workshop. But um, I know the BADC has, it's, it's a kind of a master and apprentice model. Yeah, that's right. So you have um, your master teacher who is kind of your mentor, your guide, your um, kind of uh, fixed post, if you like, through mm -hmm. your uh, through your training. Um, and there are uh, essays and assignments that as an apprentice you have to do throughout the two year uh, assessment process, your apprenticeship. At the end of your first year, you actually get the opportunity to do a little mock exam and a little mock teacher's test. Um, in front of a panel with real life students with a real life lesson plan that you have to deliver. Um, and there's sort of presentations th throughout the workshops as well um, that they have to do. And then at the end of your apprenticeship, at the end of two years, you do your final teacher's assessment. Again, you're in front of a panel, you're given a lesson a title, a subject mm -hmm. that the uh, lesson has to be based on, again, with real life students, um, some of whom have got lots of stage combat experience, some of them have got none. So it's very much a mixed bag. Uh, and then it's sort of spread over two days. There's a little bit of an interview and they also have to do an unprepared class as well. So they come in on the second day and it's uh, something that the panel have wanted to see them teach, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that area might be and you're given your lesson plan, you've got 15 minutes in which to prepare it, and then you get to deliver it. So it's a, a real um, thorough process. And then there's another probationary year after that. So again, just more opportunities to kind of be nurtured, to find your feet, to start teaching your own students by yourself for the first time, which right. is always terrifying, yep. um, but brilliant, but without just kind of being shot off um, into the wonderful world of teaching without mm -hmm. feeling like there's, uh, you know, you still have your training wheels a little bit, which is really nice. And although you've got your master teacher, it's very much encouraged to go and learn from other teachers to, to question and to inquire and, and to grow your own practice and go, oh, I really like the way so-and-so says this. And I really love the way such and such says that and just steal all the little nuggets that you really like and just kind of put them in your teacher's toolbox. Um, and it's, yeah, again, it's, it's hopefully really nurturing um, and really thorough. And it's a relatively new um, uh, training program. It's, it certainly wasn't like that in my day um, <laughs> where it was very much, you just had your master teacher, you did loads of hours and then when you were sort of ready and had enough hours and had done everything, you then took your test. Whereas now it's, you know, there's a calendar and a timetable and it's, it's an absolutely fantastic training system, um, which I'm really proud of. No, that, that's amazing. I didn't come up with it. Oh, <laughs> well, but, but you, but you sell it very well. Um, Thanks. <laughs> 
Um, and, and it's really interesting too. I know in, in, in the SAFD at least, uh, there, you know, there, there's, there is kind of a master apprentice model, but it's so much less formal. You know, it, you, you, you don't find someone and say, you know, you're my master, but there, there, you know, everyone really has that one or two teachers that they kind of gravitate towards uh, for whatever reason. They, they like what they teach, they like how they teach, their personalities mesh, whatever it is. And, you, you, and it's kind of an unofficial thing. You just kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna learn from you now. And so it, it's, it's very unofficial, but um, it, it's, and again, it's, it's, and there's no, not a lot of, there's no official structure to it. It's very, you know, informal, but um, I've, I've always said, and, and I find this true with a lot of stage combat organizations, that it, it's one of the few areas I've seen outside of like, like trade unions or labor unions where that master and apprentice model still exists. The fact that there is someone you can go to and say, teach me what you know, and they say, okay, um, without, without asking money, without asking for money or some other kind of uh, uh, payment or something like that, it, it truly is, you know, I, I want to pass on what I know or, or, and I want to learn what you know. And it, it's one of the few, again, it's one of the few areas where I've seen that to be still a, a thing really. Yeah, um, and it's definitely whenever I have an apprentice uh, in my room, um, I, I want them to ask questions. Why have you said that? Why aren't you giving them this note? Why aren't you fixing this? Um, because that's how you you learn. But also that makes me go, actually, why have I done that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't necessarily know the answer. But having thought about it afterwards, I go, actually, the reason I've said it now is because of xyz or i'm holding back on this information because i want that to happen first or whatever that is but having an apprentice i think just helped me become better at my job no, i'm I... always then thinking about what i'm doing is the no i i agree it's it's you know, you, you never realize the things that you forget as a teacher until you're watching someone else teach. And it's kind of like, oh, I do that. I'm gonna write my little note here. Don't do that again. Um, but it, it's true. And I, and I think that's the cool thing about it is, is especially in, in people that we mentor or people that we, we give feedback to. I think a lot of it is because we, we see our, our students or the people we mentor, we see them making, I don't want to say the same mistakes, but making, um, you know, doing the same things that we did as young teachers. And again, it's, it's that idea of we've been there, here's what you do. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, that, it's that passing on of the information that, you know, is so free to give, um, you know, because it's that, you know, well, we've been there, we've done this, so here's how to get around that, or here's what you do instead. And, and it, it, it really is, uh, again, it really is kind of a master to student to master to student to master to student art form. You know, that's how so much of the information has been passed down up until maybe 20 years ago until, you know, university classes and things like that became much more prevalent. That's how a lot of this information was passed, certainly uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, when a lot of these organizations were just starting to, to come around. That's how most of this information was passed down. 
it was, hey, come here, let me show you what I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I hope that never changes. Yes, um, yes we need to uh, occasionally reinvent the wheel. Yes, we need to try new things. Yes, we need to, to keep playing and evolving to make sure we don't become static and uh, predictable. Yes. Um, because stage combat is an illusion and you watch a magic trick, you don't want to know how the rabbit comes out of the hat. Mm -hmm. You just want to know that the rabbit comes out of the hat. Right. So we have to keep um, evolving our practice um, and new generations of teachers are th the way to do that because, you know, I learn from them as much as hopefully they learn from me. And when I'm with my students, I learn from them as well because one thing I'll say to this person doesn't sit well with them. Right. So I need to find a different way of saying it and it works perfectly which might then work really well for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, always questioning and always always trying to learn and uh, adapt, I guess. Exactly. And and I like that you say adapt because for, for so long, I know when I first started, which was the mid nineties, um, when, when I first started, there was so much of a mentality of this is the way we do things. It's this and that's it. And it's nice to see over the ensuing 25 odd years how that attitude is shifting, how it's like, well, that's not what the industry needs right now, or that's not what audiences want to see now. And, and I think it, to, to see, you know, teachers that I know who have been doing this you know, longer than I have start to change the way they do it, I think is very indicative of how, the industry of the stage combat industry is trying to, as you say, adapt to what needs to be done, still with the same aim in mind of telling stories and keeping actors safe. But it's like, oh, well, this, you know, uh, when I first started example, for example, uh, all the unarmed I first learned, it was all, you know, upstage, downstage, all Old West, John Wayne, punch him in the face, you know, down and dirty stuff. And you know, anyone that taught any kind of Eastern martial art, that was a specialty thing. That was, okay, well, we'll do your little Aikido thing or we'll do the little uh, Taekwondo thing. But then of course, uh, in the, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, you had the Matrix movies and, and Kill Bill and all these other movies. And then Hollywood was like, oh, martial arts. And then all of the martial art, all the unarmed training started to be much more Eastern and much more martial. And now I think it's really, really great. Like at the Patty and other workshops, you know, it's it's still the same skeleton of what we do, but you're able to put different aesthetics on it. Whether it is a, an old west punch 'em up fight or it is a a, 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 a jujitsu, you know, there's the the people I think are flexible enough that they can realize, okay, how do we make these things safe? How do we make this viable? And it, I think it just opens the, the, the door for everything that could be done. And it's not such a narrow uh, kind of frame of reference anymore. Yeah, without a doubt. And audiences have become much more discerning as well. Mm -hmm. They're so much more spoilt um, with uh, the millions of different viewing platforms, um, with the theatre that they've been able to watch online in the last sort of, you know, six, eight months. Uh, and we have to keep surprising them as well. We have to keep convincing them. Um, and if they're not convinced, then they're not gonna 
come and see the show um, mm-hmm. and that's no good for anyone um and it but also that makes it interesting for for us as teachers and fight directors because we're not having to deliver the same thing we can change it up and if it's not working for an actor for whatever reason then I suddenly have that challenge to fix it. And okay, so what do I need to do to make it work? How can I help their body tell the story that we need it to tell? Um, And then go, I'll remember that for next time because that really worked. Uh, And then again, you know, you just put it in your little teacher's toolbox and your fight director's toolbox and then you just bring it out and give it to somebody else next time. Exactly. And, And kind of what you were saying before about, you know, expanding, expanding knowledge and and you know kind of noting things from that end it, it then expands my knowledge if, if i have to stage what's something i don't do if i have to stage an aikido fight i know about you know this much about aikido which is not very much but i have a lot of friends who do so i can go to various people and say hey show me a couple of things show me this show me this so or i go to a book i go to a youtube video so i i am also expanding my my repertoire. I'm I'm not a, an expert in these things by any means, but I I can I can give it that flair, that flavor, that aesthetic, with uh without necessarily having to know everything about it. And so that that is explaining right now in stage combat, especially with 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 the European swordplay, the big thing is is the historical uh, swordplay. Actually, looking at with the with the the HEMA movement and and all of these things, um, it's possible now to do stage sword play that is safe and that does tell a story, but is still gives a, a, an actual historical basis to it, which for a long time was not the case. It was all, you know, based on that old, that old you know, early 20th century Victorian fencing. Um, but now people, you know, audiences and fight directors, I think are starting to realize, wait a minute, why can't we do this? Why do we have to do things the same way for the for, that we've done for the last thirty years? Why can't we change and adapt and and invent new techniques? Um, you know, it, it's not like there's a a, a huge hundred year legacy of what we've been doing. It is so new that we can do that. Yeah, and it's and that's one of the things that I love about it is that it's constantly changing and. Uh, we're always exploring new things and trying new things and um and ultimately Ruth uh, says this all the time says it as long as it looks like someone's been hit by something somewhere then we'll take it <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be like the perfect slap or the perfect punch mm-hmm. uh it can be or the perfect stab it can be whatever we want it to be as long as it serves the characters and tells the story yeah absolutely absolutely uh, well, Claire, it like, looks like uh, our time is slowly coming to an end. But uh, before we leave, uh, as I do with all of my guests, uh, if you'd like to share uh, a story with our listeners, something uh, inspirational or funny or cringeworthy, just something from your stage combat experiences to share. So I was thinking when you asked me about this, I was like, oh, no, what can I talk about? Do I really want to tell everyone about the time I put a hole in my pants, trousers, you know, on the first five minutes of a fight call? Uh, it's like, no, not really. Um, so a few years ago, <laughs> whoops, um, <laughs> I was very lucky to be part of the British Academy of Fencing 50th anniversary. Um, and they put up a stage in Warwick Castle and they invited various academies and schools uh, to come and do a little performance. Um, and I did a scene uh, from The Roaring Girl, 
mm-hmm. and Bob Anderson was there Ooh. in the audience. Yeah, for the for our audio, yeah. uh, for our listeners, that... yeah, for our listeners who may not know, uh, Bob Anderson just passed away uh, quite recently. Uh, he uh, choreographed some movies you may have heard of, like The Princess Bride and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, Empire Strikes Back, just you know, little indie films like that. No biggies. Um, so I was really lucky uh, to, first of all, to get to perform in front of him, uh, not nerve wracking at all. Um, and secondly, I got to meet him afterwards. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I went to go and visit my granddad, who was a Royal Marine, um, who fenced and who boxed. I think that's obviously where I've uh, got it all from. Um, and I, you know, we're just sitting having lunch. I said, "Oh, Granddad, I did, I did this thing for the British Academy of, of Fencing," because he was part of that. And he went, "Oh, great!" I went, "Yeah." And Bob Anderson was there. He went, "Bob Anderson, yes, Granddad. He's, you know, he's this amazing uh, fight guy." And he went, "Yeah, I know Bob. He taught me." What? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, right. Hang on, as in the Bob Anderson was one of your fencing masters. He went, yes, yes. I served with his brother. <laughs> right, granddad. <laughs> so just kind of dropped this massive bombshell on me. Um, so now everybody. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that, that. That's good. Um, yeah, that that's, it's, you know, the, the fight world gets smaller, um, but um, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but anyway, uh, Claire, thank you so, so much for joining us this week um, and taking the time out of your schedule uh, to, to come and talk to us. It, it's been so good to, to chat with you again. And, and I hope our listeners, um, you know, enjoy this because it, uh, it's so much, so much great stuff to, to share. And I really appreciate it. Uh, again, for all our listeners out there, um, please be safe. Please take care of yourself. Please take care of each other. Um, thank you again to Claire. And uh, we will thank see you. you. Oh, thank you. And uh, we will see you all next week. So bye, everybody. Bye.